Hello, hello, hello. You are back with Thamsu Vaitam with Kim today. And I have a very, very special friend and guest. His name is Long Jung. And uh, he's on right now. Hi, Long. Hi, everyone. Hi. My name's uh, Lam Jung, Long Tran, um, for the younger generation of you out there. And I am running for state representative of House District 80 here in Georgia. Um, That's I'm so hoping to become, wonderful. Yeah. yeah I'm hoping to become the first Vietnamese male um, to reside in the legislature. Dean Nguyen is the first Vietnamese woman and first Vietnamese person to represent. So that is following amazing. Yep, amazing, amazing. So, um, you know, this month, uh, voting is coming up next month on November yep. 8th. Those of you who don't know, um, please come out and vote. So today we're going to highlight Long because he's so special. Uh, <laughs> I'm so happy um, to have met Long. And, um, you know, I'm always interested to hearing about your background. So uh, can you share with us a little bit about your background and how you came about, how you came to the U.S.? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just want to tell everyone out there, after you listen to this, go early vote. You can actually vote today if you wanted to. Mm, um, okay. So I was born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. Um, that might sound like a strange place for a Vietnamese person to be born in the 70s, but uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base is Long, located I, there. I, I don't think I've met anyone that is born in Ohio, that's Vietnamese, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Um, So I was born there because my dad was a Vietnamese, South Vietnamese Air Force pilot. He was actually a South Vietnamese Special Forces Air Force pilot. So he knew of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and that's why we ended up in Dayton, Ohio. Um, And so I moved here to Georgia about 13 years ago. And I have lived in the district that I currently want to represent for the last 11 years. Oh, what and made you guys come to Georgia? So, it's my wife. Oh, it's your wife. <laughs> she, she, uh, okay. she made it very clear to me that uh, <laughs> she didn't bust her butt to get a CPA and a master's in accounting to wash dishes. Oh, She's like, since yeah. you're in IT, you can go anywhere. So yeah. we're going to Atlanta where your aunts and uncles are. Mm-hmm. The very wise uh, decision, and uh, thank goodness, um, you know, you listen to your wife. Most men, yeah. I highly recommend you listen to your wife. <laughs> the uh, best life choices. That's the secret to a happy marriage is happy wife, happy happy life. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Um, like most of us, you know, um, we all have a story, like struggles, uh, growing up, um, did you have any, since you were born here, um, did you face any struggles like growing up in school or um, anything that you would like to share with us? Absolutely. Um, many of the struggles that I went through, kids today, especially Asian American kids, including Vietnamese kids, struggle with. Um, for me, you know, my graduating class was like 400 kids and there were maybe four Asians total of the four, two of us were Viet. And, um, you know, just a small handful of black um, students. And so it was predominantly white. And mm-hmm. you very quickly, especially in the 80s, get pushed out of certain social circles. 
And mm. what I want to remind our Vietnamese community, because this states how old I am, um, in the early 80s, the KKK waged war on the Vietnamese population. What? Um, wow. The brunt of it, mm-hmm. the brunt of that war was fought in the Mississippi, like Biloxi, Alabama bayou with the Vietnamese shrimp fishermen just trying to make a living. And the KKK would bomb their boats, ram their boats. Um, but this war wasn't limited to just that area. Right. They were targeting Vietnamese all over the country. So it's strange to go see your dad and other American veterans um, welcome one another and be friends with one another and then see on the news that, oh, this Vietnamese man was just killed by a KKK member that was a U.S. Army veteran. Well, you know, um, this is a so crazy hearing this because um, I think this is the first time I've heard a story where, you know, the, the group, the KKK group, um, actually, you know, affecting the Vietnamese population, the minority, because most people think the KKK group is just affecting the African-American community. You know what I mean? Like, people don't yeah. realize that it's a supremacy. Like, it's against all yeah. minority groups, and Vietnamese are not excluded from that group. And so, between that and Vincent Chin, who was a Chinese man up in Detroit, auto worker, and this was at the height of anti-Japanese um, sentiment, blaming mm-hmm. Japan for the loss of U.S. automotive jobs, and he was beaten to death at a bar, and oh the judge gosh. just, you know, two men beat him to death, and the judge decided that sending them to jail would ruin their lives. So he was just going to charge him with a $3,000 fine. Wow. For murder? For murder. For $3,000, you can go murder a Chinese man back in the late 1980s. And so, um, you know, between that and you may be too young, but there was a movie called 16 Candles. And there was a character called Long Duck Dog. um, That was like (laughs) 16 Candles. Okay. 16 candles. No, I've so heard of that movie. Of my, yeah. <laughs> for the rest of my high school career, you know, it was a lot of jokes about Long Duck Song and, oh you know, how yeah. Asian men are, you know, they're, they're not well endowed. They're not manly. They're not sexy. All oh this my stuff. God. And so by the time I, I got I to I need college, to go watch that movie. I've been hearing yeah. about it for a while, actually. <laughs> but because <laughs> I, I'm not... It's one of those classics that everyone talks about, and you're like, okay, I'll watch, I'll watch it, and then you just watch new movies instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is a good movie. I, I will say it is a great movie, but, you know, of course I'm going to cringe when right. um, they're making fun of the, the Chinese guy in the movie. Oh, my gosh. The, so you had but, to go through that during, in school? Like, um, in, in, they picked yeah, on you school. a lot about that? Yeah, they, they made a lot of jokes. You know, people would call me Long Duck Dong. Why don't you say the the, the lines from Sixteen Candles? Uh, you know, obviously my English is I grew up here, so I don't have the, the accent that many of the immigrants do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, say what's the happening hot stuff in the Chinese accent? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to do that. Right. Yeah, you know, and when I, you start bullying. <laughs> 
it's it's so sad. Um, you know, similar stories all around with people telling you like there's an Asian character on a movie, and then they come and they just start like, hey, uh, you know, um, Ying Ying, Ling Ling, you know, uh, and I <laughs> yeah. was like, no, I'm not Chinese. I'm, <laughs> it's it's crazy. <laughs> oh, I think many of those um, we cannot avoid growing up. Um, it's just how the media portray us. And, you know, and sadly, the media does not portray us strong and better. You know, they portray us as still, you know, minorities that can't speak English or, um, you know, that's how we get made fun of all the time. Sad. Yeah. yeah. It's so, very sad. Yeah. So what um, did you end up studying in school? I uh, wanted to become a lawyer. Oh, okay. And I, I ended up leaving the pre-law route and, uh, yeah, went into accounting and didn't work as an accountant. Ended up working in IT coming out. Um, oh my god! So you went from law so to accounting went to from IT. Pre-law, and I'll I'll explain why I didn't go the pre-law route. Uh, I start to get through college. I started working as an interpreter, mm. and um, you know, I there were a lot of cases. So one case that sticks out in my mind is this. 70-year-old Vietnamese man was just driving, minding his own business, and a guy rear-ended him, mm-hmm. proceeded to pull him out and beat him to death. Um, what? Just in a fit of rage. The 70-year-old man that, like, wow. you know, 4'11", is being beaten to death in front of his wife, and uh, I really wanted to have it addressed as a hate crime. It wasn't addressed as a hate crime. That was right the start of my real like activism because as an interpreter mm. i was very limited in you know, what, what you can I do could, right yeah right uh, you know i wanted the lawyers to like say more mm-hmm. and you know Did, the was this happening in ohio or georgia it was happening in ohio okay okay so this was the, the late 90s so, um, Ohio was a very 96. um Ohio was a very dangerous place for Vietnamese people. I was kidding. <laughs> during that time, <laughs> um, not so much anymore. But right, yeah, during yeah. the time, Ohio wow. was not not friendly towards Asians. That is so, so sad. I think it's mainly we were the minority, the very very minority. Like you said, you were only one of the two Vietnamese in the whole school. Yeah, oh. in my school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's two. There may have been. It's three total. If I remember right, there's three total in the whole school um, that I remember. Or not in the whole school, in my grade. Yeah. So So, in my graduating class. So this Um, is happening during the the, 1980s, right? So this one was happening um, in the mid-90s. Mid-90s. Wow, not too long ago. Yeah, I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time, and I was the interpreter on the case. And... um, there was so much I wanted to do, and I think for some people, this this fork in the road would either drive people definitely towards law, and uh, for me, it drove me away from law and more into social activism. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, I you started you, to, you start thinking how, what can I do? How can I, you know, to have preventative measures in the future? Um, yes. That's so sad that, you know, sometimes you feel like, you know, I hate the feeling of feeling helpless. Um, Like you can't 
do anything like right now you know amy has her bunion surgery recovering and you know she's uh she's in pain and there's nothing we can do you know there's nothing i can do to help and i just stand there and just have to let her go through it and uh, so it's that feeling of helplessness that drives you sometimes that's like hey i can do more than what you know i can just do more um yeah Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's, that's so sad. I don't know. Honestly, if that happened to me, I honestly don't know what I would do. I would go crazy. (laughs) Yeah. This poor old man. Yeah. And the community got upset, Mm -hmm. you know, not just the Vietnamese, but all of the communities were upset that this wasn't treated um, as a hate crime. And back then there were no cell phone videos, no audio recording Mm -hmm. of what just witnesses, just eyewitnesses. And so, and they were probably um, scared to testify or say anything. Yeah, well, they just didn't, it wasn't worth their time to go and testify unless the judge made them go and testify. Right. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, the, the route I decided to take at that point was to galvanize the Asian American community because separately, be it Korean, Chinese, Indian. Separately, they had no voice because they were too weak. But mm-hmm. together, um, we would have a voice and an influence. And so oh, gotcha. I worked on uh, several nonprofits uh, mm-hmm. to help start several nonprofits, like a Asian American Commerce Group, um, an Asian festival that brought people from all communities in to celebrate Asian culture. And um, Wow, that's wonderful. That, that's very... So, so you, help, you were in charge of bringing everyone together in Ohio, the Asian American community. Yeah, me and the other community leaders, we all got together and we, you know, this is what we wanted. Right. Um, And so. Oh, uh, that's really nice. That's, um, that's it. Cause honestly, if you don't do it, who will, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So that festival, I remember the first year that festival had like 10,000 in attendance. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been going on for 25 years now. I left um, 15 years in um, on its 15th anniversary. I moved to Georgia. So now it's going on 25 years and it draws over 200,000 people every weekend. Wow. That, that's, that's amazing. I, <laughs> you must be very <laughs> proud. <laughs> I am. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to see the growth of the Asian American community and our Vietnamese community in its activism and what it does for the community. You know, we have Poja, the, the mm-hmm. Vietnamese Catholic Church. They do their fall festival yeah. every year, and it's gigantic. Right. Um, so when you came from Ohio to Georgia, what was what what is your impression of Georgia and, you know, everything? Like, you know, because we have a larger Asian community here. Um, yeah. and a larger Vietnamese community here, as we all know, the Vietnamese American community. <laughs> um, so what was your impression when you came here? I was like, wow, so <laughs> many Asian Americans, so many good restaurants. They must not have any social issues here because the Korean population is as large as the entire Asian population of Ohio. <laughs> and so, I you see. know, I, I yeah. just kind of, kicked back and just enjoyed being a dad to my son mm-hmm. and, you know, getting involved in his life, coaching soccer, doing Cub Scouts and getting you, involved in my city. Yeah. Did you see opportunities here where, um, you know, like being activists in the community, um, any organizations? So, 
I didn't see a need for me to become an activist within the Asian American community. Mm -hmm. I felt like there were so many great leaders, um, and you know, I'll get to this a little further down the line. I felt that they were so organized that I can just focus on the city that I live in in Dunwoody, and Mm -hmm. uh, you know, get to know city council and be on boards and commissions, and give input on when they work on parks mm. or the schools and just, you know. Yeah, that is that coach. is a good insight where you can focus so, on doing your, you know, the more politics side. Um, yeah, communities. And I wasn't even thinking yeah. of, I wasn't even thinking about politics. Dunwoody at that time had just become a city. Mm-hmm. Um, even though the area has been around for decades, it had never been an official incorporated city so when i moved in dunwoody was just a year old and so you know it's had a lot of growth and gone through challenges and changes and i just i wanted to be part of that growth so and i you know valued my kids time so cut scouts and soccer and basketball right yeah yeah hey you know starts where you live you know start where you live and then you can worry about other cities right because you need to make great and be active in where your area is first and then you can prosper you know you can do so much out further out once you accomplish one area um i totally agree you know i i think what you're doing on that same you know like wave path is very great um you are right in georgia there are you know it's very organized already um it's like you know let's do other things now you know um so speaking on that like what do you think the younger generations like they need to do more of what in your opinion because i mean to us me and you um I'm not sure how old you are, but I think we're not far <laughs> off apart. Like I'm, I'm in the millennial generation, um, yeah. and you know this new generation is kind of a different breed for me. So um, it, it's interesting, you know. I'm squarely in the Gen X generation. I'm 46 years old, even oh, wow. though I don't seem like it. Um, 46. So Wow. Yes, the, okay. The, the bridge between you and the older generation. I sit right in the middle. Um, <laughs> you have a so lot of stuff answer, on your shoulders. <laughs> to answer your question about our younger generation, um, for me, when 2016 happened uh, with Donald Trump winning the election, the utter fear mm-hmm. that I felt in not just our community, but Black and Hispanic communities, and especially among women, um, was just shocking to me. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at the numbers, and Asian Americans didn't turn out to vote in 2016. Mm. Like, our numbers were so low that it didn't even register um, on statistic reports. Right. And, and that's I, a I problem. I, it's a huge problem. And yeah. I couldn't understand that. Um, and so I, I met with some of the groups and there's like, well, you know, we've never just, we, we have other problems to focus on. We didn't do much voter outreach. Uh, well, um, I- during that time, I'm piggybacking on what you were saying. Um, during that time, I was actually doing door canvassing and phone banking uh, for the oh, Vietnamese wow. community to, you know, encourage Vietnamese people to register, not even vote. Okay. This is not even telling to them register. to vote. This is just telling them to register to vote. Cause to get them a one foot at the door is that they have to register. 
And yeah. I did door canvassing every weekend and phone banking every weekend just to encourage these people to register. And look, um, it was a very <laughs> hard task, okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because very much so. they are so fearful of voting. Yeah. And, you know, to break that fear, you keep having to explain the same story and reassuring them. And I, in, in my head, it's like, yeah, the younger generation, we can talk to them. They understand better. But the older generation, it was it was a very hard task just to register to vote, not even going out to vote. And so shortly after that, I reached out to Cam Ashling. I didn't know Cam Ashling very well then. Mm-hmm. And uh, KV Vu, Victoria mm-hmm. Wynn, uh, turns out I reached out to a very core group of Vietnamese women who are angry. Mm-hmm. And they want to change. And, you know, like KV is millennial like you. She's good with no, the we're, podcast um, we're and college, YouTube. We're college um, friends. Uh, KV went to UGA. Yeah, we uh, met through VSA. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. You, your generation had the tools and understood the tools to reach voters and get um, the Asian American community going. And since then, it's been amazing. You know, for the 2020 elections, mm-hmm. the AAPI voter turnout compared to 2016 was 300%. Right. Wow. So when, when people go, where did... 12,000 Democrat votes come from for Donald Trump. That doesn't make any sense. Right. It's our community. Mm-hmm. It's our AAPI community. We turned out. We finally voted. Right. So so you're saying so, the younger generation, like my generation, you know, um, and the younger, we need to keep encouraging and kind of in a way like being proactive and encouraging other people in the community to vote. Yes. And you guys are the ones that are bringing about change. Right. You know, a lot of people talk about how great it is that I'm running for office, but I wouldn't be running without a younger generation pushing me and, you know, asking D and me and Sam and all these. We have 12 Democratic AAPI candidates and 10 Republicans. So 22 Asian Americans are running for office in Georgia right now. Right. And it's the younger generation that's proven that that's possible because they came out and they got Sam elected. They got B elected. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you guys are you guys are the, the, the catalyst for change. And soon, not 10 years from now, but maybe in the next two to four years, the millennials will be the ones running for office in Georgia, will be the AAPI running for office. We would love and that. so, mm-hmm. you know, any younger generation who thinks there's nothing they can do, the vote doesn't count, getting out there and canvassing, phone banking doesn't work, doesn't mm-hmm. do anything, doesn't bring up our change. That's not true. No, that's change not is true. real. 22 AAPI candidates running right now. No right. other state in the country, in the nation has that many. Not California, not Washington, not Texas. That's, that's it. Wow. I'm, I'm very shocked. Because you would think, you know, states like California um, would have more candidates running. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, that that is amazing, and I, I I only hope in the future, you know, of course, more and more Asian American are proactive and not afraid to hide their voice. Um, that that I think the change has started for sure, and uh, I'm very proud of what 
you have accomplished and where everything is going. Um, how do you feel <laughs> right now? I'm I'm feeling confident about my race. Okay, um, that's good. You know, I've done the work, mm-hmm. and so in two and a half weeks, I will sit back after seven p.m. on Tuesday, November eighth, mm-hmm. and you know the voters either like what they they saw in me, what they like that I came out to the park. I'm out at a park right now, um, <laughs> meet, meet, meeting with them. I had a feeling you're at a park. <laughs> I was like, what's and, that noise? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry no it's okay i was joking um you know enjoy your day it's a beautiful day out yeah it, it is a beautiful day out but i was meeting with voters and talking to them about b and mm. letting them know that you know they need to vote for me and they need to consider b nguyen also a strange name like long tran but you beat me same right um that they can vote for on the ballot and we're as american as an as any of them. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I had a great opportunity to meet B. Thanks to you. Um, we <laughs> met B. Wonderful, wonderful story. And, you know, we can all relate to her story. Um, you know, I have high hopes for her as well. Um, so in the Vietnamese community, like every, you know, I've been encouraging people to vote like these past yeah. uh, month and few months. Um, and the first thing is what every Vietnamese person said is like, um, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, my vote doesn't matter. It always comes back to the I, it doesn't matter. So um, I want you so, to make clear that why it matters so that everyone so me, can be on the same page. Let me tell you this story because um, it's a very, it shows why it matters. I met these two Vietnamese gentlemen who was like, you're being foolish. Why are you running for office? You can't do anything. B can't do anything. There's no point in voting. You know, we're not American. We have too many other things. We're trying to just survive. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what's your biggest challenge in life right now that is making it hard for you to just simply survive? And they're like, we own nail salons and we can't hire nail techs. We can't find them. We can't hire them. Right. And so I told, told them, well, you know, you've got, me and B who are running for office and what you're going to find out is if you get B in there, she is in charge of licensing. So mm-hmm. the exams that the nail tech takes are only in English because Georgia wants to be an English only state. Mm-hmm. But you have nail techs from California, Texas, Illinois, Washington that have passed the exams in language in Vietnamese in those states. Right. So they have the skill, they can pass the exam. They just can't take it in English. Right. And so why not Georgia so have a, it? Because we keep electing people who want to do English only. Right? <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, yeah. That's, so you get B, you get me, we fight for that change. And right. that helps your business. And that applies across the board. There's so many things that we can do that our community just needs to be educated on. Yes. And so yes, I can I see, like, these two guys going, oh, all right, maybe this is far more important than we realize. Mm-hmm. And it's not only that, it's, you know, they take account into people who actually go vote, the community that votes, you know. Yeah. Um, that's something that I think people don't think about, is that even if your vote, let's say you voted for a uh, Republican or a Democrat, even if, you know, your party didn't get elected, that your name goes somewhere. 
they think yep. it doesn't matter, but it really does. So I highly encourage everyone to vote. Um, it's and coming vote, up. Vote. Yep, vote early. Yeah, you vote early. Vote now. Avoid the Today, long line. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the line is crazy. I Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but I encourage everyone to go vote or vote early, like Long said, to avoid, you know, it's still a long line, but it's going to be better than the general voting um, yeah. yeah, so this weekend go vote. And then, um, if not see you guys in November, uh, make sure, you know, you know, where your about, you know, where your voting, um, sites are. And, uh, once again, we have Long Jung, uh, Long Jung in, um, uh, the podcast today and, uh, just look for his name and be familiar with who you're voting for. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Long, for um, coming on today. And, you know, it, it really makes a big difference in someone's life that today, you know, you came on and share your story and tell us why it's important to vote. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. And, you know, you and Amy are doing phenomenal things for our community. I've Thank got you. your back. And I want everyone listening, like, follow Amy and Kim's lead. They're amazing they're thank you thank doing you doing great things thank you so much and uh hey we'll catch up after okay everyone bye okay. bye